This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. This, this series that we've been in, Each One Reach One, has uh, just has stirred and been on my heart so, so much. I, I woke up this morning and once again I just felt God's heart for people and, and how much he, he loves them. And I want to make sure I, I give my best to get this over to us. And I know it takes revelation, but uh, I want you to just capture the heart, God's heart for people. And when he gave me a dream in September 11th of, of this year, and he said one plus one equals two. And he has to make it very simple for me. And he says it takes one to double. And then anyway, through prayer and listening to God and, and found that it was his will for us to double. But it was more than that. It's not just about doubling. It was about capturing hearts for him, capturing the harvest for him. It was about reaching out and touching lives and how we can get so comfortable, we can get comfortable being comfortable. And we can get complacent. And I think it's just human nature. And we stop taking the time to reach out and touch lives. And we can never get that, uh, that way when we have God's heart. Because he's always looking. He's always reaching out to touch someone's life. And it's being sensitive to those around us. I know uh, last week, uh, Miranda was telling me, introduced me to a person she had invited, and she said, Pastor Bob, you know how long I've known this person? I said, 10 years, and she said, 16 hours. <laughs> and, and that's being sensitive to reach out. And, and several testimonies of God has set you up and given you an opportunity just to invite someone to church or just to touch their lives. And that's why I want to continue this morning is looking how our lives uh, touch another life. Now, my favorite movie is It's a Wonderful Life. Watch it every year. I know the lines in the, in the movie, uh, but I love it because it's really the gospel. And it, when you minister to one, they can minister to someone else, and this thing just grows. It's like throwing a, a rock into a, a pond. It, the ripple effect, it just keeps going. And such is the kingdom of God that we reach out and we touch those around us. So uh, I want to look again uh, at the scripture, Proverbs 24, verse 30. It says, I went past the field of the sluggard, past the vineyard of the man who lacks judgment. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. And I applied my heart to what I observed. And I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. So we see here a man entrusted with a piece of land, uh, a, a, a field, and it's a... It has the potential to be a vineyard, to be a business, a business that could bless others. It could be provision. It could be a, a supply. It could be a blessing. But it says that he 
folded his arms for a little bit. He had a little sleep, a little slumber. And this thing was in, instead of being grapes in the vineyard and being a blessing, it was full of thorns and it was full of weeds. The boundaries, the stone walls that had been broken down, they'd come down. There's, it was just, it was in ruins. And he was called a, a sluggard. How many, I just don't even like that. I think of a slug. How many can remember slugs? We used to melt them growing up. You know, you get salt and anybody, or I'm the only one. We melt those jokers. Man, look at this. It's melting. This is fun. But anyway, just don't care for that that term. And, and, And I thought, well, that's lazy. But when you look this up, it's not really the term lazy. It's a spiritual condition of the heart that we would call apathy today. Let me give you the the definition of what this term really is. It's half-hearted, hard-hearted, detached, lukewarm, disregard or disinterested. It's not laziness. It's a person with no passion. It's a person in neutral. It's a person detached or disinterested, uh, half-hearted, half-in, half-out, neutral, lukewarm. It's not talking about just being lazy. It can appear to be lazy, but it's a condition of man's heart. This man was not, it wasn't an enemy that came and stopped him from working the field. God gives us everything we need to work our field. He gives us all the provision, all the supply, but we still have to work it. This man had to get out there and he had to pull up the weeds. He had to plant. He had to do these things. He had to fertilize. He had to do the things that only he could do. And then God would do the things that only he can do. And God expects us to take responsibility for our field. He expects us to be fruitful and to multiply. When they went to the promised land, all the manna stopped. All of a sudden, they had to do some work. All of a sudden, they had to do some sowing, some planting. They had to do some harvest. They had to take responsibility. That's called promised land. Do you know there is a a satisfaction and contentment in taking your responsibility and doing your part and letting God do his part that comes that you don't get in the wilderness with the manna just coming? And just, you go out and you pick it up, it's all provided. But the promised land, where we are co-laborers with him in the field, but you have to labor, co-laborers. So we have a responsibility to do our part. There was no enemy that stopped this man. It was his own issues, his own problem of the spiritual condition of his heart. Well, how do you take care of this? Actually, what you do is you repent. And let God heal your heart. And you tell him, I want that passion for you. I want that deep uh, zeal for you to come out of me. Because that's the opposite of being a sluggard. Or the opposite of apathy and lukewarmness is to be full of the zeal of God. Full of passion for God. Fervency. For him. How do you do that? You get before him. You say, God, I haven't been passionate full of passion. I haven't had that zeal. And I ask you to heal my heart. Forgive me. And let him fill you up. And you start walking out. You start doing the things that you did in the beginning. You start going back to your first works. Just like when you were uh, dating or courting your, your wife. Go back to those 
First works. Go back to sending some flowers, taking her out, treating her special. You know what will happen? Passion will rise up. Zeal will rise up once again. And you start doing those things. Start falling in love with the Word of God again. Start having devotional time. Start praying again. And something happens on the inside of us when we do that. That strength comes. But God's given us a field of responsibility. Our job is to reach out to others. Say, well, yes, Pastor, that's important to me. Well, my question to you is who have you ministered to lately? Who have you prayed for lately? Who, who are you reaching out to? Well, I have good intentions. Well, stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ and say, Jesus, I had good intentions. I want my reward. <laughs> well, you just, Jesus, you got to understand, I was very busy. There's, yeah, they made this invention that you could catch all the, the games, all the grizzly games I could watch. I had no time for people. I mean, no, that would just be about as lame. <laughs> Does God want you to watch the grizzly games? Of course. What do you think the DVR was, was invented for? Come on. It's in your notes. Rewards are given out by the Lord according to the fruitfulness of the field he's called you to. He's going to look at your field. Say, I'm going to reward you. I know I gave you the field. I gave you all the tools. I gave you everything. I gave you the seeds. I gave it all to you. But you know what? I'm going to go ahead and reward you on what you do in your part. And those rewards last for eternity. My vision for you is to be full of rewards in heaven. Not to be ashamed when you stand before the Lord, but to be full of rewards. Now, we're going to cast them at his feet and say it was all you. But he says, I'm going to reward you anyway for trusting him and doing your part. Some of this, are, uh, our field is, starts in our household. I just want to challenge you, if you're a parent, when's the last time you've prayed for your child? When's the last time your child has seen you in the Word of God? When's the last time your child has seen you put value on coming to the house of the Lord that you, even if it's not comfortable, even if you had a, a real busy week, wherever, you make time to come? Because they're looking at you. That's your field. They're in your field. You're responsible for those in your field. It starts with start believing for your spouse. It starts with confessing the word and speaking the word and speaking blessing over your own household. It starts right there. Pastor, I just need a field. You got a field. <laughs> You got one. Well, you just haven't seen it lately. It's just full of weeds and pull them out. They will come out. Build your home on the rocks, what the word says. 
Fight for your family. Fight for your wife. Fight for your husband. Fight for your kids. Build your home on the rock. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We have the power of God inside of us, but there's distractions. And these distractions pull us away. These distractions are trying to get us into the enticement of the world and, and make the world look bigger than reality. And the reality is that there's an eternal kingdom. There's a cause bigger than anything this world has to offer. Paul said that things of this world are really dumb compared to the kingdom of God. There's distractions. See, your children need to be in church on Sunday. But there's distractions. Your youth need to be in youth service on Sunday evening. But there's distractions. You need to be in church. But there's distractions. Well, it says not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Well, that's just if it's convenient but that's your field of responsibility to keep yourself built up. You know things change on the inside of you when you come and we assemble together as a family. You're refocused. You're reminded. You remember him and things start to change. Service on Christmas Day? Well, my kids will suffer. An hour without their toys? Oh my, oh my. Heaven forbid. What's, oh, you're kidding. Christmas Day service. What's wrong with the church? Lord have mercy. I know it's Jesus' birthday, but we have toys and I <laughs> I feel faint. Lord, heal me. I think I'm sick. I'm, oh. A servant, and the next week's New Year's Day. New Year's, I'm up all night. You expect me to start the new year by coming to church and worshiping my God? You got to be kidding me. There's some golf games on too. I'm going to stay up all night, catch a little sleep around 10 o'clock. Then the games come on. Oh, hallelujah, bless the world. I mean, oh, excuse me. Wrong song. Okay. Distractions. And they can be good things. But God say, I need a generation that will usher in my coming. I need a generation that will say, I will not be comfortable in my passionless life. I will not be comfortable in compromise. I will have no idols before my God. I, will I refuse not to be stirred up about what really matters. And what really matters is my God and my Savior and living for Him and bringing people into the kingdom for such a time as this. I refuse it. And God, you'll have to do it in me, but I want to be lit. I want to be on fire. I need the zeal and the passion of God to see people through your eyes. 
Because eternity, last time I checked, hell is for a long time. And it's very hot. And there's no end to it. And we have a mission. We have a job to do. But see, we thought that God would bring in the harvest to us when he said, go. Go ye. Go. It didn't say stay ye. Go ye. Stay. Go. I want to stay. Go. Well, bring them in, God. Go. You go get them. And bring them in to the house. I don't like that. Tough. It's his way. I mean, no, his way's blessed. I mean, no, his way will produce fruit. His way will cause a field to be fruitful for harvest. Churches be a place where dreams come alive again. Families restored. Marriages celebrated. People come back to the Lord. The lost is found. The hungry is fed. The church is to be a place where the rich sit next to the poor. Church is to be a place where racism dies and all are valued and all are loved. Church is to be a place of restoration. Churches be a place of unity and strength and peace for a common cause, the cause of Christ. But the devil is a liar and he has a marketing plan and his plan is working just fine because the church in America is not increasing but decreasing. But we need to say not on our watch. Not on our watch. The only churches that have grown are churches that have taken members from other churches. And the birth rate of spiritual growth has not happened in America. It's decreased. And in 40 years, they're saying the rate we're going will be like Europe, a godless society. With less than 4% will serve God. Well... All my friends, they're believers. That's your friends. But only three out of ten in this region attend church, and half of them go twice a year. Easter and Christmas. Well, I just, I think you're being extreme well, I think it's a little extreme when our Supreme Court says God made a mistake. It wasn't supposed to be Adam and Eve. It was Adam and Steve. Or whoever you want. Does it mean we don't love all people? We love all people. That's the, the lie of the enemy the most loving people are Christians. But the word's the word. I was just thinking uh, yesterday, but I can remember as a kid being in school and my teacher had a Bible on her desk. A Bible! 
I can remember that they prayed at school. We did the Pledge of Allegiance, and then our principal, who lived in a little box, didn't know who the principal was, but I knew they came out of that box, would say a prayer over the school. And now you can't pray. Maybe we need to wake up. Just maybe. We need to do something. Doesn't mean we go fight people. We come against principalities and powers. We love people. Well, we're the army of the Lord. We're going to go kill everyone who doesn't believe. No. We're army of love. We love people. We reach out to people. We don't judge people. We love people. I better get to this. God wants us to own our field. Daniel, he owned his field and took authority over the lions. Joseph owned his prison field. You know what they did? They gave him the keys. And he changed from the prison house to the king's house. Became the prime minister. Joseph had a turnaround. Why? Because he he took his field and he seeded it, he planted it, took the weeds out, and God blessed it. David, he owned his field and he killed the lion and the bear. And God gave him a giant. Esther owned her field. She finds herself in a a harem, and she's going through a year of beauty treatment. Think about it, ladies. She's at the spa for a year, waiting on a call, and she gets a message from her uncle, and the uncle says, you're not in there just for the spa. We're about to die. We're in trouble. And Esther She says, send my uncle some clothes. In other words, uncle, it's okay. God will use somebody else. But the uncle responds and says, wake up, girl, for you are born for such a time as this. Deliverance is to come through your hands. And she woke up and she realized Why she was in the field that she was in. The field that you are in is not just for you. It's for those that are around you. It's for those that you touch in your everyday life. Some of you are called to the business field. Zach, would you get one of those hula hoops? He can probably hula hoop. Just sit it on the ground. Step inside of that. Say, owning your field. That's what God's calling us to do, to own our field. And maybe you're called to the business field, but the truth is, it's not just for you. It's just not about your well-being. It's about influence. It's about resources. It's about 
influencing people for the kingdom of God. It's not just to get rich and famous or rich and fat, whatever. It's about being an influence for the kingdom of God, a cause bigger than ourselves. It's about touching lives for him. It's about reaching out and seeing his name made famous. That's what it's about. It's about owning your field and developing it and being fruitful and letting God multiply and then comes more. Why? Because he wants more family. He wants more people into his kingdom because he loves people. You think you love your kids? God loves them more. That's what it's about. Every field, no matter what it is, is more than about us. It's about him. Can you hula hoop? All right, give Zach a hand. <laughs> so no matter what your field is, and, and I could take anyone out here because we all have a field. Madison, we all have a field. Maybe your field is... Is arts and musician. Maybe your your field is to use what God has given you to bless someone else. Maybe you can play the, the keyboards. But you know, Madison's practice is not just for her. Her practicing is not for her own enjoyment. Even though it's great to play and enjoy yourself, but see it's bigger than that. She practices, she develops to develop her field to be a blessing to others. To touch someone else's life. It's not even about her now, it's even about her future. The way you develop now is about your future. It could touch future spouse, future kids, future generations it's more than us. Well, Pastor, I don't have a field. You have a field. Ask God what it is. This girl was born with arts in her. I've had dreams about her. She's an artsy person. That's her. And for her to do something else would be going outside of her field and you just don't fit. It don't work. Have you ever done something that just don't work? It's like me doing construction work. It don't work. <laughs> My dad could do construction work. And he'd try and get me to do construction work. All he would do is wind up upset at me. Throwing something, get, get out of here. That's another story. Anyway. Oh, he'd love to work on cars. I like driving cars. I didn't care anything about working on them. I'd get all greasy. I'd be in there scrubbing a long time trying to get clean. Oh, what are you doing? I'm clean. I don't like this stuff. <laughs> Let's get mass in the hand. Owning your field. If you're a student, if you're a student, your field is to be the best that you can be right now. To serve your parents, 
your parents are there to help you get character and integrity and learn how to start owning your field. That's the reason they have to come and override at times and say, look, your field over there, that room of yours is a mess, go clean it. Because you can't be entrusted yet to own it. So God's given you parents to help you. And they, they step in when they need to. And they say, look, you didn't do this right. You need to do this. And God did it because he loves you. And he does, this, does it with us adults too. He'll say, Bob, you didn't do that right. And you say, okay, Lord, what is it? And you make the adjustment. Here's one. What about past mistakes? Do you know that you can own your past mistakes and they're not just for you? That you can take your story, that you can take where a life has thrown you a curve and things haven't gone the, exactly the way that you had planned, and you can own that and you can bless someone else because you made it through to the other side? Do you know how many times I've shared mistakes? I was thinking the other day, I probably shared mistakes more than I have the blessings <laughs> because God was able to turn something around. I was sharing with someone the other day. They, they needed to come forth with the truth. And I said, look, Ellen and I were buying a house. I had a, a friend of mine, a Christian real estate agent, and she said, this is the bank you need to go to. Went to the bank and everything set. And I borrowed the down payment from my grandfather. I talked to the agent. And she said, they will not ask you this question. They will not ask you where the down payment came from. I said, great, I'm fine. So I go in. Second question, you didn't borrow this money, did you? Where did the down payment come from? I said, no, I didn't borrow it. I hit myself. I felt like. I was in a zone after that. I couldn't even tell you what the conversation was. Like I hit myself a baseball bat. I got home. I'm just shaking. The real estate lady, my friend, she calls me. I, I couldn't hardly talk. I told her what happened. She goes, Bob, it's going to be all right. You're going to pay it. I said, I know I'm going to pay it, but I just lied. And I had to call them back. And I asked for this lady. I got this lady. I said, look. I need to tell you something. She goes, what? I said, I lied to you. I borrowed that down payment. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. And that did not glorify my God. And I ask you to forgive me. I don't want the house. I said, I said forget the house. And she said, I hear you. And I'm going to do everything in my power to get you that house because you blessed me today. We got the house. But I would not have enjoyed the house if it wasn't for the getting it right. But how many times have I shared that and it was able to turn it around for someone else? So your past mistakes, what you've been through, you can use that, your testimony, your story, even though it might not make you look like you are so super. <laughs> Because once it comes down to it, we're not so super. He's super. And because I've blown it and because I made it through because I went to 
the one who is super, I can encourage you. And people, well, you rascal, you did, yes, I did that. Because the truth is we're all, some of us are little rascals, some of us are big rascals, but we're all rascals. We all need the mercy of God. We all need the grace of God. We all need the help of God. The, 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 the pastor field, you know what he looks at? He looks to see, he says, how you rule your own household. He's looking to see how you're minding the field that you have before you can mine more field, before you can have increase. He's looking to see. We got to be responsible where we're at. And where we're at is, let me just quickly. Yes, close a couple of scriptures here. Luke 14, verse 21. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and there's still room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. We must take God out and bring people in. You know, one of my favorite movies was um, that uh, it was in 1989, Field of Dreams. And you probably remember it if you saw it, but this Kevin Cosner, he, he sells the farm. I mean, he puts everything on the line because he heard a voice say, if you build it, they will come. But, you know, we've used that philosophy in the church, and it's not really right. We compel them, we go get them, and then they come in. Then they come into the house. So we have a responsibility. It's nowhere in the Word says the unsaved just build the, the church, and the unsaved are just going to show up. No, we're told to go out and get them. Compel here means to secure and bring by force. <laughs> I don't think that's the... The definition that God meant there for us. But here's the rest of it. To have a powerful and irresistible influence to urge with the utmost zeal and urgency. See, we need some urgency. We need some zeal back in to reaching people for him. Because it is urgent. It is an urgent matter. Because reality is... A person could lose their life just like that. Lord Sapala and, and Dennis, I just had a friend that just had a heart attack. Gone. Thank God she's a Christian. But see, if they're in our field, we got to take some responsibility. And I... I have time to, to share it, but I had a, a neighbor, and um, it's really uh, one, a failure. And I knew God was prompting me, and uh, it's kind of a long story. John 8, 12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have light of life. Light within us is not just for ourselves. 
Matthew 5, 14, you are the light for the whole world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. Instead, it's put on a lampstand where it gives light for everyone in the house. In the same way, your light must shine before people so that they will see the good things you do and praise your Father in heaven. See, the world is full of darkness and full of confusion and chaos. People are looking for direction. They're full of fear and worry. They need a, a hope for their future. And we're the ones that have the answer. We have good news for them. And we have to give it to them. The light will cause darkness to be dispersed. Isaiah 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light. Now, if they're coming to your light, there's got to be some light in you shining. And if we're blending in with the world, there's no light shining. The light needs to shine. There needs to be a difference. And I had people that were against me because of my stand for the Lord, but they came back. They came back because I just kept loving them and let the light shine. We have a responsibility. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much that you've entrusted to us a field. And Father, that field's our life and all those that we come in contact with. God, we want to be found faithful in our field. We want to be those that are full of passion and zeal and fervency for our field to touch those lives around us. We want to take our mission, our responsibility seriously. And if, if today you need to come to Christ, today you need to accept him as Lord and Savior, no one looking around, if that's you this morning, and maybe you have before, but you know today you need to come home to him, I want you to lift your hand, and we're going to pray together, and he welcomes you back into fellowship. I also want to put this out. You realize today you need to repent. You've, been, you've had disregard or disinterest towards those that are lost in your life, towards those that are spiritual orphans, don't even have a church home. You've had disregard for those that come across your path and opportunities, maybe because of busyness. It's not because you did this on purpose, but it just happened. But you want your light to shine again. You want to reach out and touch lives for him. And you need to repent this morning and turn away from being lukewarm. That's you. I want you to lift your hand and pray for you. Who else? Thank you, Lord. I know we've been touching this every week. Father, for every hand that is raised. We come to you and we're grateful that we can come and receive an infusion of life. That our light can shine like never before. That we can have that zeal 
for the house of the Lord, that we can have that zeal for you, that passion for you. We're so grateful for your mercy and your goodness. God, we're going to make a difference for you, not in our own strength, but by your strength and by your grace. Thank you, Lord, for touching our lives. Thank you for your goodness. God has more for you, church. God has more for us. 2017 is going to be an awesome year. So grateful for God's hand upon our lives. So grateful for the love of God that is in each of you. Every time someone is a guest in our house, I always hear about the love in this place. But we're going to put love in action. We're going to demonstrate. And we go in supernatural power. We go filled with Him. God wants you to know there's more. God wants you to know there is a future for you. God wants you to know that you haven't seen anything yet. If you'll trust me. If you'll look to me and trust me, you will know in a greater measure than you've known that I am your God and I am your Lord. And the best is yet to come in your life. Cast your cares upon me. Give me your worries. Give me your stress. Give me your pains. Give me your anguish. Give me all those cares. Cast them upon me before I care. For I care for you. And my loving arms are towards you and around you. And nothing can pluck you out of my arms, out of my hands. You stay with me. You stick with me. And I'll raise up. And I will show my glory through your life. Thank you, Lord. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.